following is a Goulash Media production. Goulashmedia.net. Welcome to the system is down. All right, all right. Prepare your panties for a good wadding, because this episode just might push some buttons, ruffle some feathers, rustle some jimmies, and hopefully make you think about some new ideas. What's up, Downers? Welcome back to another glorious episode of The System is Down, and as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in every single Monday for your weekly dose of discomfort. If you're like Roger Paxton, and this is your first time listening to the show, then welcome, and go go hug the person that brought you here, because uh, this show's going to be a fun one. Um, the System is Down is a place where we talk about all things uncomfortable, namely, but not limited to, conspiracies, politics, and religion. You know, all those things that you probably got into trouble for bringing up at your family's Easter get-togethers yesterday. Now, as I mentioned in last week's episode, we did a drawing for a free giveaway of Star Wars The Last Jedi on DVD. A bunch of people signed up, and thank you guys so much for that, but uh, there can only be one winner. I'll be announcing the winner at the end of this episode, so stick around after to see if you won. Anyway, today's episode is a fun one. Like I said, it's a conversation that I personally really, really enjoyed. Uh, If you're a regular listener, you are likely aware that when it comes to politics, I'm personally, I personally lean pretty hard in the libertarian direction, and I've had several libertarians on the show, uh, the Lions of Liberty guys, like uh, Mark Clare, Brian McWilliams, John Odermatt, those guys. Um, also, Remzo Martinez and Trey Weaver have been on the show, and so on and so forth. But when it comes to extreme anarcho-capitalism, voluntarism, uh, and just straight-up, no-government-all-freedom-anarchy side of libertarianism, there's just nobody that paints the picture better or clearer than Roger freaking Paxton. Uh, it was a fantastic conversation, and we dug pretty deep into the meaning of anarchy and how a fully anarchist society would function. So, let's get into it. All that said, and without further ado, let's get weird. My guest today is producer, marketer, coordinator of the Libertarian Festival Pork Fest, podcast host, creator of the Liberty Podcast Network, Pax Libertas Productions, uh, which includes, but is not limited to, a Free Coast Freecast, the Lava Flow Podcast, the Ancap Barbershop, Resist the Empire, One Free Family, and Anarcho-Christian, and just all-around fascinating individual, Roger freaking Paxton. Roger, how's it going, man? Man, it's doing great. Uh, good to be here. The only You did really well with that, but a Free Coast Freecast <laughs> has dropped off, but other than that, yeah. Okay, fantastic. well. I, I looked at the that. website, and yeah. you still have it on there, so I included. Oh, do I? Holy <laughs> shit! I guess I got I to get my web guy to fix that. Oops. Yeah, it's all good. Um, yeah, Roger, uh, this is the first time you and I have actually officially spoke, but I feel like we know each other because we've we've done some, you know, back and forth in uh, the forums between yep. this between the system is down one, lines of liberty, and all that. Uh, yep. So we run in some of the same circles, and so this is going to be. I mean, we're drinking. We're we're going to have a good time. We're going to talk about some uncomfortable stuff that will uh, push some people's buttons uh but that's what uh, i do <laughs> absolutely uh, it might be a little bit more of a, a laid-back conversation than most but we'll get the fire going absolutely so <clears throat> roger let me start by asking uh, at the risk of sounding like a douchebag roger what's your favorite episode of this show 
Oh, that's a trick question. <laughs> so, so as Dan knows full well, I have yet to listen to an episode, but I can, right. I can definitively say that my favorite episode of the system is down is this one right here. <laughs> but honestly, I just haven't had a chance. I mean, I've got so much in my, in my, uh, you know, my podcatcher that it's hard to make room for something else. As a matter of fact, I've been having to remove shit. Right. And, no. uh, but yours is on the list. It will eventually be my podcatcher, I promise. <laughs> I hear you, man. I mean, I, I've listened to a handful of yours. I've listened to some uh, episodes of The Lava Flow. I've listened to Resist the Empire. Both absolutely fantastic shows, absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't have time to keep up with every single podcast my catcher, you know, let alone with all the tons of shit that I just read off that you do. <laughs> and I do way less, so... Uh, well, I mean, Mark, Mark Claire recommends your show, and Mark Claire is a good personal friend. So, sure. I mean, that's why I've got to have your show on my feed at some point. Because if he recommends it, you know, I give it all of its gold. It's got to be gold. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you for the fake compliments that are based <laughs> off of nothing but hearsay. <laughs> well, you know, whatever. Hearsay, whatever. I'm kidding. Uh, well, let's get into uh, the topic. I wanted to have you on because you, Roger, are a self-proclaimed straight-up anarchist, correct? Yes. Okay. That's not a term that I usually lead off with just because sure. it has such a connotation. Actually, uh, John Odermatt and I talked about that in the last um, Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liter Liquor with Alliance of Liberty right. um, because it does have a negative connotation. Now, for better or for worse, you know, people see anarchists as these black clad, you know, mm -hmm. rock throwing and Molotov cocktail throwing, you know, and destroying property. That's not an anarchist. Before That's you get into it, my second question is oh, how sure. many towns have you burned down? How many buildings have you tagged? How many Molotov cocktails do you have? have on your person how many ski masks do you own and lastly when was the last time you shopped at hot topic i have not shopped at hot topic <laughs> since i was a kid um i do own ski masks because we live in new hampshire and there's a lot of shit going on here as far as snow and whatnot when i'm out there snow blowing i do put on a ski mask no volatile <laughs> cocktails but i do have the materials to make them does that count <laughs> Terrorists. Um, and i've never burned down any cities however the town of milton that i live in in milton new hampshire has on the ballot tomorrow um, for, for the town vote, a vote to, dissolution, to, to dissolve the city. The city could possibly be dissolved because of the efforts of a free state project anarchist uh, by the name of Glenn Begley, a good friend of mine. Who by went by the dissolve the process. city, do you mean just the, the government of the city? Yeah, the city government would be dissolved completely. All of the assets would either be given to the county or sold off um, to pay debts. Um, and then the, we would have no city government. We would still be under the, the county charter. But in New Hampshire, the counties have almost no power at all. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, you know, I'm not a voter, but I considered going to vote for that until we found out we had a snowstorm coming in tomorrow. And that's like, no, no, no <laughs> not <stay> worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I cut you off there when you were starting to define anarchy, um, what people perceive it as and what it actually is. So. Please yeah, continue. so, you know, most people do see it as that black clad, you know, person that destroys Starbucks and hates capitalism. That's not an anarchist. That's an authoritarian. That's somebody who wants to tell you how to live your life and they will use violence and force to do it. That's not anarchy. Anarchy is simply without rulers. It means nobody rules your life. Not some black clad thug with a Molotov cocktail, not the president of the United States, not the boss of your company. Nobody rules you except yourself. That's all it means. It's that simple. Um, so I prefer the term voluntarism, um, and that's a term that goes back centuries, back to the 1500s, um, because it, that's basically what it means. It means voluntary interaction between people without anybody having power over the other person. Um, so voluntarism is where it's at, and actually, if you look at voluntarist.com, there's a wealth of information on that website, and I actually started a podcast 
uh, called Essential Libertarianism based on the content on that website um, that basically takes the content they've been writing for four decades now and puts it in a podcast format so you can listen to it on the go. Well, shit, um, I missed a, one in my yeah. list of 25 <laughs> yeah. things. I still missed one. <laughs> yeah, that one's at uh, EssentialLibertarianism.com, and that's one of my favorites to do because it's such a wealth of information. And it's yeah. not, not my content. It's other people's content. Sure. Very cool. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so what got you like started down this rebellious quote unquote path? Uh, like did, were you born into a family of people who think this way or did you come to this conclusion on your own? So I was born into a family with a, um, a conservative Democrat father and a hardcore religious conservative mother. Um, my father was only a Democrat because he was in the unions, uh, local 669, Pipefitter Union. So he had to vote Democrat because the unions were protected by the Democrats. But he was pretty much a conservative. Right. Whereas my mother was a hardcore religious conservative, um, got me in the church, uh, basically, you know, led me to being a preacher. Now I'm an atheist uh, many years later. We're going to get so, into that for sure. You mentioned yeah. that on the latest Lines of Liberty podcast. And I was like, holy shit. We got to talk about that for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't anything from upbringing other than my mother taught me to believe in liberty. But at the time, I defined liberty based on her definition that it was liberty for me, but not for you. Mm. I should have all the rights that I want, but gay shouldn't be married. You know, um, people should not uh, be able to have abortions or, you know, whatever the case may be. Abortions are obviously a touchy topic that uh, everybody has differences on. But she only wanted liberty for her. And when I started realizing how contradictory that was and how hypocritical that was, um, I started looking at people like Ron Paul. And I first started looking at Ron Paul in 1994, 95-ish, um, or kind of early to that bandwagon, but I still wasn't libertarian until I found Ayn Rand. Mm-hmm. I read her books and the logic behind her books, I've always considered myself a logical person. And if I can't refute your logic, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. So I couldn't refute her logic. That's right. simple. Nice. So <clears throat> that that's what got you to libertarianism. Did you like just keep digging to the point where you're like, all of it, all of it can be gone? Well, and I was a monarchist for a long time, even after, of course, Ayn Rand um, would never have called herself an anarchist, even though sure. her position probably led to as many monarch- as many anarchists as Ron Paul or anybody else. But um, anarchy took longer. Uh, you know, they say normally it's you know six months from anarchy to anarchism, but it was more like, I don't know, five or six years for me. Um, uh, Murray Rothbard was a huge help in that uh, for a new liberty. Uh, the Libertarian Manifesto was a big part of it. Um, and some friends who I had who were libertarian anarchists, uh, Kathleen Wickstrom, a very good friend of mine who also moved from Arkansas to uh, New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, and other people like her who would, you know, use the Socratic method and ask me questions that I couldn't answer, you know, questions that I couldn't refute. It's like, well, sh- again, if I can't beat them, <laughs> you know, so now I'm an anarchist. Right. So is there an end point to this? Is there a place that government actually has or? So I fully believe, um, as Arkin Rose does, that government is the most dangerous superstition. And it's a superstition like any other superstition, whether it's, you know, whether, whether it's Egyptian gods or whether it's the Christian god or, or whatever the case may be. It's all superstition. And if we stop believing in it, it goes away. And, you know, I got some shit from Mark and John and Howie on Lions of Liberty about that. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't articulate myself, I guess, as well as I should have on that. I don't believe that if I personally, one person, stops believing in government, it goes away. But when 50, 60, 70, 80% of people stop believing in government, stop contributing, stop legitimizing the theft, the murder, the, the, the assaults that they're doing to us on a regular basis, when we stop believing in that, then they lose all their power. And when they lose their power, they go away. Sure. Yeah. And our listenership um, is a little different than yours. Like we don't have straight up 
We, we don't have just libertarian base. We have people all over the spectrum. We talk about all kinds of things. So uh, explain what you mean by theft and murder and all that in the government. Well, of course, taxation is theft, period. Um, you know, I would actually on my episode that's coming out tomorrow, I talked about a news article where the government lost $2.2 million per minute last year, per minute. They lost $2.2 million. That is theft too. They stole that money from us and they lose it and piss it away because it's not their money. They don't care. What other job can you lose $2.2 million and still keep your job? That's exactly right. Much less $2.2 million per minute. Right. But uh, but then, you know, when you have murder, you have the, the bombings of brown people all over the world. You have, you know, the killings of people in our own country by police officers, uh, death penalty cases. You know, we know for a fact that there have been people undeniably who have been killed by the death penalty in this country who were innocent. That's murder, period. Mm-hmm. No, way, no other way to look at it. Yeah. And this might seem like a rudimentary question to a lot of uh, libertarian minded people, but uh, the whole taxation is theft thing I've brought up in the forum really early on in the forum. And some people didn't really understand what that means. Can you get into that a little bit? Absolutely. So any (laughs) one of the memes that I post quite a bit is that slavery before 1860 was 100% of your labor uh, of certain people's labor being stolen by the government or, or by people as slaves. What percentage does it stop being slavery? Because I'm paying 40% of my fucking ta- of my money to taxes right now. Am I a 40% slave? Are you a 30% slave? Are you a 20% slave? Or are you a, a you know a Bill Gates and a 50% slave? And some we're all slaves. Period. They are stealing our money because I didn't consent. I never signed a document saying, "Hey, I am willingly giving you this money." They are taking it by force. And if I refuse to pay it, then they will send me a bunch of letters saying, hey, you're going to pay it. If I still don't pay it, then they'll garnish my wages. If I stop working, then they'll send men with guns to my house and kidnap me and take me away and put me in a fucking cage. And then they will, then I'm really a slave at that point. Taxation is theft. Absolutely. Preach, brother, preach. <laughs> uh, no, just kidding. We'll get to the preaching stuff later. Right. Uh, <laughs> so w- would you say that, I mean, you, t- you spoke to war and that type of thing. Would you say that you're a pacifist as well? No, no, definitely not. I am a... Um, I certainly believe in self-defense. I own many weapons. As a matter of fact, um, 99% of the time I'm armed or have a weapon within arm's reach of me. Um, usually when I'm in the shower is about the only time that I'm not. Uh, you know, what do you have on you right now? Uh, Colt, it's actually a Colt 1991 model, uh, compact. Nice. Um, and it's, that's my baby. I bought that the day that I turned 21. That's my baby. <laughs> nice. But, uh, and that was, what? damn, that was 21 years ago. I'm 42 now. Holy cow. But anyway, so uh, I've owned that gun half my life. Um, but, you know, I've got AR-15, so I've got an AK-47, I've got um, an SKS. You know, I, I have weapons around, and mm-hmm. that's never going to stop. My job as a human being is to protect my life. And my job as a parent is to protect my children's lives. My wife carries everywhere she goes. She has a, um, a oh, goodness, a Springfield XDM-40 that she carries everywhere she goes because when I'm not around, it's her job to protect herself and my kids. Right. So we are not pacifists by any means. And we definitely believe in, in protecting what's ours. But the initiation of violence is where I draw the line. You know, I cannot consciously harm another human being without first being attacked or threatened or in some way initiated uh, aggression against. Just self-defense. Exactly. Do you believe in um, the government as far as self-defense, military defense? Um, Well, okay. I do believe that in a non-government society, an anarchist society, for lack of a better term, there could absolutely be applications for military and police, and there would be. I mean, we would not be a society of, of 
no laws. We would be a society of no rulers. There would still be laws. You still wouldn't be able to murder because now you're harming someone. You're committing aggression against someone. Um, common law has existed for centuries, and that would still exist. Um, military would probably exist as a form of insurance. So you would pay, you know, I pay Hanover insurance, for example, to, uh, um, to insure my home. And thank God I did because I had a, a flood that cost me $10,000 last week. Now they're, they're compensating me for that. In the same vein, if a warring party, um, a warlord or, you know, a foreign state or whatever, wanted to come over here and destroy my home, well, I've got insurance to protect me against that. Insurance companies would either employ or they would start their own militaries. They would have weapons of war to protect the assets that, that they've insured. Of course they would. There's no question that they would. Companies sure. would do the same thing. Companies don't want to lose their customers, so they don't want their cities to be bombed. So companies would put in lots of money for that sort of thing. And if, if our money is not stolen from us at 40% or 50% of our income and wasted at $2.2 million per minute, then we have so much more resources, so much more money to mm. actually use effectively for that sort of thing. So you're talking about privatized military just for Absolutely. specific communities. Or, or even specific regions. I mean, I can't imagine that uh, regions couldn't get together and, and do the same sort of thing. people, individuals. Can they hire <laughs> a group of bodyguards? I mean, well, sure. If I'm okay Bill right Gates, now. for example, and I want to have armed, you know, mm -hmm. military SWAT team or, or military, you know, <laughs> the Navy SEALs, you know, if I want to have Navy SEALs around me 24-7, sure. If I've got the money to, to pay for it. And the thing is, we would all have so much mo more money and so much more wealth at our disposal without government wasting so much of it. We'd mm -hmm. be able to afford these things easily. Sure. If I'm understanding correctly, you're saying zero uh, national defense, zero national government, none of that. Well, there would never, there would be no national. Um, you know, sure. that's part of the thing is, you know, I, where, where do you live? Illinois. Okay. So Illinois is so different than New Hampshire. And New Hampshire is so different than Arkansas. Why are we all in the same country? I mean, right. You know, there's no reason for that to have this huge conglomerate body of, you know, land mass under one organization is just, well, it's ridiculous. It can't be controlled as we, we see. I mean, you know, we see all the time things going on that shouldn't be and the government can't do anything to stop it. Mm -hmm. That's the issue that we've got is the government, you know, I would, most people who are in government do not have, they don't want to hurt people. They don't want to, they, they don't have bad intentions. But the problem is when they get there, their intentions don't matter because it's right. already happening. So they're just part of the train at that point. And that's why I'm against running for office. For example, I had that argument today with some friends. Um, Darrell W. Perry asking if I'm going to run for office in New Hampshire. No, I'm done with that shit because I'm not going to perpetuate the violence. I'm not going to legitimize the system anymore. Sure. But my answer, my answer to your question is secede. You know, I'm mm -hmm. a, I'm a, a regional captain for the New Hampshire Independence, uh, sorry, New Hampshire for Independence, which is a body, an organization that is trying to get the state of New Hampshire to secede from the United States. Sure. Nice. Uh, I've talked to my wife about your whole, your whole deal up there and <laughs> I would love to jump ship, but you know, hard stuff, family and jobs and all that. <laughs> it was one of the hardest decisions I ever made, but let me tell you, my only regret is I didn't do it years before. Sure. You know, I lived in Arkansas for 40 years. I have family there. I have, you know, my parents are there, my best friends there. But moving up here was the best thing that I ever did for my family. I have. She hates more, the cold too. So well, but you live in Illinois. <laughs> you got cold, so you're going. I know. Cold. She wants to move south. <laughs> right. Well, I went from the deep south, New Hampshire. Didn't know what snow was, right. and uh, I get up here, and you know, it's funny because I've kind of gotten used to the cold already. Believe it or mm -hmm. not, um, after you know we've been here two and a half years now, 
Um, we're actually having a big, another big snowstorm tomorrow. Yay. That's <laughs> uh, so we had just having one last Thursday. So, but you know, I've sure. kind of gotten used to it. Sure. The, the fires of Liberty keep you warm. <laughs> <laughs> Good sales pitch. Um, now, uh, you, you basically already answered my next question, which was, you know, if, if States have, you know, communities that have militias and people and little organizations have militias, uh, does it matter at all? Like that we are, working together for a collective uh, country or j- bigger community? Does that, does the United States matter? Do, would you have it the whole country dissolved? I would absolutely have the whole country dissolved. I mean, I believe that voluntary enclaves of people, whether it's a communal system under communism in a small enclave or whether it's voluntarism, you know, these things would pop up. And the great thing about those experiments is almost like you have with the states because you have 50 little experiments going on. But frankly, all of these experiments are basically the same because they're all under the same federal government. Um, Yeah, you may have a little bit of differences here and there, but for the most part, they're all pretty much the same. Um, you would have hundreds or thousands of these enclaves of people trying different systems. You would have libertarian communities. You would have minarchist communities, anarchists, communists, socialists, whatever. And people would see within a few years of what's actually working, what's actually making a difference, and what's making people more wealthy, more healthy, and more free. And then you would see those things start to grow. But it would all be voluntary. As far as I'm concerned, you know, any enclave that would keep me involuntarily or require me to do you know, pay taxes or do certain duties or whatever the case may be um, to, to, to live in their community is not one that I would be involved in. Sure. So we're talking basically uh, modernized tribes. I mean, essentially, yeah. so Ireland for, well, depending on what history books you look at, anywhere from a thousand to nine thousand years, Ireland lived utter anarchy, complete and total anarchy. It was a tribalist right. system and they, they not only succeeded, but they flourished under that system. Now, of course, there were some, you know, warring tribes and whatnot, but they dealt with that locally, and then it was, it was taken care of, but for anywhere from 1,000 to 9,000 years. And looking at that history that happened in Ireland, I mean, look at Ireland today. It's a very modern society, and a lot of that is due to the, the lessons that they've learned through their anarchist system. And that's why Ireland is way above the U.S. on the Freedom Scale Index. That came out just a couple of days ago, and I think Ireland, Ireland is in the top five. I was thinking they were number three, and U.S. was like 17 or 18. Ireland is kicking our ass in freedom. <laughs> yeah. So you would say we are not the freest, best nation in the world. We're not the freest country. No, we're definitely not. And um, Heresy. That, well, I mean, it's a damn shame. I mean, it really <laughs> is. Because, you know, I mean, I am an American for better or for worse. And I, you know, I want to be the best at, the best at everything that I can be. And that's why I think breaking up the United States is the best thing for all of us. Sure. Um, <clears throat> now, what happens in the case that, Let's say hypothetically in this anarchy utopia, that is the former United States, all the states or are, you know, broken up from each other or even smaller, probably most likely much smaller into different tribes. Um, If people in say, I mean, look at North America before we came here, somebody came and they had bigger force. And because we weren't working because the Native Americans weren't working together, they were wiped out. Uh, is that a concern in this utopia idea? So, yes, of course it is. I mean, warlord, uh, warlordism or wh- whatever you want to call it. Actually, Robert Murphy, uh, Bob Murphy, wrote a, um, a pamphlet called Chaos Theory, and it's free on the Internet. Just search Bob Murphy Chaos Theory. It is one of the best short, and it's like 40 or 50 pages, short pamphlet about how 
um, warlords would be handled in an anarchist society. And it goes back to that, that insurance scheme. Um, because insurance companies, they're insuring my land. They don't want to see that destroyed because they're going to have to pay out mega bucks to restore it. So they will come up with some form of defense to help protect that. And of course, I would be paying that in my insurance premiums, of course. But I would have so much more money in my pocket because the government isn't stealing money from me <laughs> that I can do that. And so, yes, you would surely have, um, whether it's a, a, a foreign nation who is jealous because we're prospering over here in anarchy and they may want to try to attack you know, Kim Jong-un may still have his panties in a fucking wad that may want to drop, you know, try to drop a nuke on us. But hell, by then, capitalism, I mean, the government can't create a way to stop a nuke, but damn it, I guarantee you capitalism can. No question about it. <laughs> gotcha. Um, now, how, how does capitalism work in an anarchist society? Because, I mean, people uh, equate anarchy, as we said, with chaos. So, so I, you know, and I use the term capitalism. It's a term I try not to use because mm. if you look at the definition of de- capitalism and the Webster Dictionary, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it actually, the way it's defined, it does also include crony capitalism. And I hate crony capitalism. So I try not to use that word. I I tend to try to use free market, but I'm still trying to train my brain to use free market instead. (laughs) So free market is voluntarism, like we talked about. It is the voluntary transaction between me and you. You know, I want to buy that that cool a flag on your wall. I'm going to give you 20 bucks for it. You think that's a hell of a deal for it. So you're going to give me your flag for the 20 bucks. Problem solved. But I I only paid $7 for it. If you want it, you can have it. There you go. (laughs) So you're making a deal. And then now that you've got the 20 bucks, you find out that it's, it's, it's fake money or whatever. You find out that I've, I've defrauded you. So now I still owe you 20 bucks. So, you know, through a, a non-government, um, independent, voluntarious court system, again, go to Bob Murphy's chaos theory. He talks about mm-hmm. police and courts in that theory as well. I mean, in that pamphlet as well. Um, through those, those intermediary court systems, then, you know, you can, can find, find a way to, to get that money back from you, period. Because um, I've, I've committed fraud against you. We don't need a government for people to be able to be, be able to know that I've committed fraud against you by giving you a fake $20 bill. Sure. It's a, it, it, we don't need a government for that. Well, how does, uh, pardon my, my feeble mind, but how does, uh, <laughs> how does like the court system work with, if we have a bunch of different tribes with a bunch of different mini governments and a bunch of different, uh, you know, law systems, if some other, um, tribe says, you know, it's okay to steal. Of course, that wouldn't happen. But, you know, going to extremes here, if you bought something from them, is that just your problem because sure. you didn't, you know, look into it? So if a tribe has that mentality that they're okay with stealing, then most other tribes around them would completely shun them and they would be on their own. But let's say it's a tribe that is okay with stealing, but they're not vocal about it. So let's say that, you know, that you're in tribe A and I'm in tribe B. You come over to my tribe, you bring me this flag, um, and this flag is just, it's old and it's torn, but it's in a package, and I can't see it mm-hmm. until after you're gone. Um, so you, you've now cheated me. I've given you 20 bucks. You've walked away with my, my good hard-earned money, and you've given me a piece of shit flag. So you ha- your tribe or your, or your insurance company or you know, whatever, your, your police force, whatever you, you know, have at your mercy, they will have a court system wrapped around them. Mine will have the same. So now we have competing court systems. If it's a truly true private arbitration system that has a court system that actually cares about fairness, then they will both probably rule the same way. But if they don't, then there will be a higher uh, court system that both of these parties will agree to that will make the final judgment. Now, 
a court system like that is only going to want to present justice because if they don't, if they get a reputation for giving unfair judgments, then they are not going to be used and they're not going to be paid for their services. So based, I mean, it's no different than I, I go to say Walmart. I shop at Walmart because they give me good quality products for a good price. Well, if they gave me shitty products for a crazy price, I'm not going to Walmart. It's a, no different with the judicial system in the free market because if they're giving unfair rulings, if they're, you know, giving, if, if they're favoring one side over another in an unfair way, then that's going to be out there and everybody's going to know it. Nobody's going to use their services. Sure. So <clears throat> this higher court system, what is the point where that becomes a government? I mean, where, where, what is their incentive to be the tiebreaker in this? To make money because both of those arbitration companies now have to pay the, the the higher arbitration company for their services. It's it's for profit and it's completely voluntary. So if let's say that um, you know side A and side B can't agree on who they choose for an arbitration company, well now we're in deadlock. But now we know that we have an issue there that, that hasn't been resolved. So people will have to then decide, okay, do I shun Dan because he, you know, here's the facts of the case. Do I shun Dan because he fucked Roger out of, uh, out of his 20 bucks by giving him a ripped up, torn up flag? Or do I shun Roger um, because, you know, whatever, Roger has a fucked up beard, <laughs> whatever the case may be. Um, <laughs> it's a glorious and, beard. Right. So, I mean, you will, you will see people, you know, make those decisions. And is it going to be perfect? Of course not. But look at our system. It's right. far from perfect. It's a fucking disaster right now. You have people going to jail for smoking a fucking plant right now. You would never have that in a, in a free market society ever. It just, it wouldn't be possible. It would be unfathomable. Sure. So my roads, my roads, Roger, uh, how do we get from tribe A to tribe B? And does it matter? It doesn't matter because, of course, tribe, tribe A wants to trade with tribe B, tribe B because if we kept it all locally, then that would limit our wealth, of course. So and that's why, you know, trading with Japan and China is so important. And that's why these steel tariffs by Trump is a fucking disaster. It's going to cost American jobs. It's going to cost – I mean, when, when Bush did this in, in uh, 2000 and, God, what was it, 2006, I think, he put a 30% tariff on steel. And it cost 200,000 manufacturing jobs in this country because everything went up in cost, automobiles, homes. Um, appliances, everything that you steal went up in cost. So we lost hundreds of thousands of jobs because of it. Same thing's going to happen here. Instead of protecting American steel workers, we need to protect it. We need to protect American consumers because all a tariff is, it's a theft of resources from American consumers to American producers. So they're stealing money from you and me to pad the pockets of American producers. And that is despicable. And I forgot your question. <laughs> My roads, your- Roger. My roads. Oh, right. Right. So, of course, we would want a road between A and B, of course, because I want to trade with you. Even if you sell me a shitty flag every once in a while, I still want to trade with you. So, because of that, people would build roads. I mean, who builds the roads today? The government doesn't build roads. Now, they may try to repair them, but they're, they do a shit job. Right. But individuals build roads. Road builders build roads. And road builders, even though they may get paid from the government, they don't work for the government. They work for themselves. So, you and me, we would pay road builders to build a road. If I've got a, you know, a big company in, in tribe A and I want customers from tribe B, then I'm going to pay some money to build some of that road. And, and I'm going to get with many other businesses in tribe A to help finish building that road. And consumers in tribe B who want those, those products and services of tribe A, they may pitch in too. It's that simple. It's really not hard. We don't need a middleman to buy clothes. Why do we need a middleman to buy roads? Nice. Love it. I mean, we're talking in extreme hypotheticals now. We're talking in like 
you know, Anarchy Utopia, which I'm totally all for giving a shot. Uh, is there a is there a country currently that, or is there any? I know you mentioned Ireland before. Is there a, any other uh, systems where they've implemented this and it's worked out, or anybody that's doing it now that you know your ideal place to live? The only example that I know of in history is the Ireland model from you know that, that thousand to nine thousand years, and um, by all accounts, it was very successful. Um, as far as today, no, of course not. I mean, today we live. Do you in know why big, Ireland stopped doing that? Because they were overtaken by the Brits. Okay. I mean, they, that's, they were stopped by force. Not <laughs> a historian. That. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so um, well, well, I mean, to interject again, uh, that could go toward my previous question. You know, what is, uh, it didn't work because they were easily overthrown because a tiny anarchy military wasn't able to stop them. Neither was that one. Right. Because, um, because they were very warlord like, I mean, there were very various battles between the, the Irish warlords themselves and their, you know, tiny villages and, I mean, it wasn't a, a perfect example of anarchism, but it was a successful example. Um, could could anarchism be better? Absolutely. No question yeah. about it. But is there an anarchist society today or even a libertarian society today? Hell no. Right. And that's why to push I'm so back excited. a little bit. You, you say it's a, it was a success, but a lot of people would say, you know, it was an anarchist society and they got overthrown. Um, how can you call it a success? Because that's a, a, a big a big issue. You know, how does that work? How could they that's possibly? That's a fair question. I mean, that, that's a very fair question. Sheer numbers, basically. I mean, back then you didn't have technology. You didn't have you know modern conveniences, modern you know weapons of war and things like that to be able to to stop a larger force with a smaller force. And frankly, they were just overrun by sheer numbers and and by by sheer you know more technology um, by the British. Um, and unfortunately, you know, that's something that, that an anarchist society today could potentially face. I mean, we could face, you know, let's say that there was an anarchist enclave in the United States and Trump decided to send, you know, nuclear weapons at them. If we don't have a way to stop nuclear weapons, then we're kind of fucked. You know, that's just, the, you know, that's all there is to it. So it's right. certainly a possibility. But look at what's happening in our wars today. You know, we've got uh, America bombing Yemen and Syria and, and Iraq mm -hmm. and Afghanistan and all these fucking I mean, it's happening today. So what's the difference? You know, at least at least we would have a chance to ha to make our own destiny, a chance to to live for ourselves and rule ourselves. Um, and frankly, that's a chance that I think is worth taking. Sure. So <clears throat> to go back to the initial question, is there a current place that you think would be better to live in than America at this point? Man, that's a great question. Um, if I had to pick, um, if I could pick anywhere in the world to live right now, it would be New Hampshire. Because, okay, so there are three projects. Well, there's a few projects going on right now to really give us an autonomy. Is this a sales pitch or is well, it? Well, it, it kind answer. of is, but I'm also really talking about you know, sure. several different other projects. So there's sure. several different projects like the Free State Project that I'm involved in. I'm actually on the board of the Free State Project. Um, there's the Free Societies, freesocieties.org or .com. It's Roger Veer, who's a Bitcoin Jesus. It's his project that he's actually trying to get a bunch of Bitcoin millionaires together. And they already have like $100 million promised to be able to buy a plot of land from a country and create a libertarian, you know, anarchist country out of it. Um, there's also a seasteading is another, you know, project that's going on. You've got, um, you've got, uh, what's his name? Uh, what are they doing with the, uh, the, the piece of land in, outside of Croatia, uh, Liberland. Um, so you've got several of these types of things happening. Um, I'm a part of the Free State Project right now because I believe right now that it's got the most promise in giving us that kind of society we want. Are you However, talking about uh, like getting islands or making like floating 
cities. Well, and- so seasteading would, st- would would be basically making floating cities so that you okay. could, you know, basically be a part of whatever city you want to be. I mean, this week I want to be a part of, you know, seasteading site A, but, you know, somebody there pisses me off, so I'm going to hop over to seasteading site, site B with my little boat and, right. uh, and live there for a while. Um, so, you know, seasteading is, is very promising as well. There's actually a, um, a, sea ste- a book on seasteading. Uh, I can't think of the name of it, but there's Seasteading Institute online. Fantastic sure. information. But right now, in my opinion, Free State Project is still the most promising. However, I am really watching seasteading closely, and I'm watching Roger Beer's Free Society very closely, because I think that in a few years, if those become promising, they could far surpass what we're doing here in, in New Hampshire. So mm. I'm keeping my options open. If free society kicks off and they've got their own plot of land and they're living in a, in a libertarian society, my family's gone. That simple. Sure. <laughs> uh, that's how important liberty is for me. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Um, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, but with the seasteading um, idea, how does that work exactly? So they actually have um, a timeline, and their their first um, their first seasteads will be just you know just very shortly off of the off of the coast. I mean, very close to the coast still. So there's you know learning and whatnot, and then they you know, slowly move out further and further away from the coast until they're in international waters. And if you read the seasteading book, and God, I wish I could remember the name of it. It was a fabulous book. It talks about the technology and the healthcare and the food systems and all of these things that we already have the technology for. These things are already happening on a regular basis that would make seasteading extremely successful very fast. And all of these brilliant minds behind these things like food production in the ocean and, and technologies and all this, they're all coming together behind this project. And it's brilliant. We actually have a New England seasteaders group here in, uh, in uh, the New Hampshire area um, that really dives into this stuff. And I think that one of the first seasteads could be off the coast of New Hampshire, and I'd love to see it. Sure. I mean, great idea, and I, yeah. I love the idea of it, but uh, does it seem at all far-fetched to you to be like, well, all the land has been taken over. We're going to make new land in this, you know, in the ocean, which hasn't been overruled by man um, do you think that it is really feasible? Sure. People do it all the time. I mean, there are man-made islands all over the world right now really? that, that people are living on. Um, so, and those are static islands. I mean, mm-hmm. these would be floating structures that would have the ability to move to any spot <laughs> on the globe that they wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. the technology is absolutely there. Uh, the problem right now is putting all of the pieces together and, of course, the, the significant cost. You're talking a very significant cost. But mm-hmm. some of the most brilliant minds in the world are behind some of this stuff. And, um, you know, these guys know that it's possible. I, they're smarter than I am. <laughs> so I'm going right. to trust them. <laughs> awesome. Uh, now, now, in this hypothetical hypothetical, we're, we're really getting deep here. Um, right. <laughs> uh if they can float all over the world in whatever place that they want, who decides that? Do they have like a local government for their uh, man-made island? So most organizations like that would have some form of a constitution. Um, and uh, mentioned free societies earlier. They would have a, a simple constitution that uh, basically lays out, you know, don't murder, don't steal, don't, don't hurt each other. You know, right. uh, it would lay out some principles that, that would have to be followed. So, yes, yeah, you would have to have some sort of a constitution. But the difference is to become a part of that seastead, I have to voluntarily agree to that constitution. I have to right. sign a contract. Instead of this social contract, right. bullshit, 
I, you know, I did an episode of the Lava Born Flow. Born into a social contract? <laughs> right. I, I did an episode of the Lava Flow called I Didn't Sign It because I didn't sign this social sure. contract. It is, ab- I mean, the first things about a contract is it has to be clear and it has to be signed by both parties. I didn't sign shit. Right. So this social contract nonsense actually had run to me yesterday with some jackass on my on my lava flow page talking about oh well you know you were born here and you you have cer- certain uh, responsibilities no fuck you I don't I didn't sign any <laughs> bullshit saying that I had any responsibilities and my mother can't sign it for me because just like my mother can't can't you know go into a contract for me to buy a house in my name without my signature she mm-hmm. can't can sign a social contract for me either neither can her mother neither can her mother neither can George Washington none of them can sign the document for me period in the story sure so that of course begs or asks the question if if i mean we're thinking really short term here i mean obviously people will be born onto these islands and they will hopefully have grandchildren there at what point is it exactly the same where these kids didn't agree to it and that's a fantastic question. So, you know, at that point, you're talking things like um, age of consent, age of reason, and mm-hmm. every country or every seastead or whatever the case may be would have different rules for that. Um, you know, I'm of the uh, I'm of the belief. You know, I treat my kids like they're like they're adults, but they're tiny. Sure. You know, because they are. I mean, they are autonomous human beings. My uh, oldest is eleven. My youngest is nine. And you know, they basically we do radical unschooling and peaceful parenting in this home. And they basically, you know, they dictate what they do as long as it's not harming someone else or costing, you know, someone else money. I mean, they have their own jobs and they take care of themselves. So every kind country. Of jobs. So they have. Uh, they sell, <laughs> so we have monthly uh, what we call free markets here in New Hampshire. They post the podcast. They're your producers. Right, <laughs> right now, I'm actually trying to get my, uh, my oldest son into some voice acting uh, right there now. But, but uh, no, they do. Uh, so they have chickens. So they sell their eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, they paid for all the chickens themselves. They uh, do monthly markets where they sell hot dogs and corn dogs and um, nice. chili dogs and popcorn and all these kind of things. And they pay for all the equipment themselves. Um, so, and, you know, the things that they bought themselves, like their Xbox, their TV, these are things that they own because they bought it with their own money from their own market. So I can't dictate to them what they do with those things. If they want to smash their Xbox into me in pieces, who am I to say? But I'm not going to buy them a replacement. They're going to have to pay for it themselves. <laughs> but going back to that. You know, every country would say, okay, you know, maybe the age of reason is 11, or maybe there's some sort of a test that a child takes so he gets past the age of reason, whatever. I mean, it could be any number of things. And then they have the autonomy to decide for themselves. Okay. So um, I have a lot of topics here, but I want to keep going down this rabbit hole. Um, So uh, as far as parenting, like, is there any cutoff to what you won't allow them to do? Just anything outside of what might harm you because it's your responsibility to protect them? Or like, are they allowed to, let's say, uh, I mean, go super anarchist. Um, Do you allow your children to drink or smoke weed or buy weed with their own money? (laughs) Well, so, you know, it's funny. At Porkfest last year, my youngest son comes up to me. So at Porkfest was the big party Saturday night, which is always the big party. And my son walks up to me at the picnic tables and he says, hey, I just bought these these uh, these cookies, three for a dollar from this dude over here. Oh, right. <laughs> wait, show me which dude you bought these cookies from. Because right. I knew that there was a guy over there selling pot cookies. But his son, his younger son, was also selling regular cookies. Now, mm-hmm. of course, some dude is not going to sell my nine-year-old kid pot cookies. He's just not going to fucking do it. And especially when my kid told me they were three for a dollar, I knew they weren't pot cookies. But, <laughs> but you know, so... I mean, technically, if my child wanted, if my 11-year-old wanted to have a sip of alcohol, and I would be, I would be lying if I said that my child had not tasted a sip of Crown and Coke 
a time or two because it's happened. I know that it's happened. I've, well, I, I don't want to incriminate myself. <laughs> it's <laughs> happened. Just a, we'll just say right. it's happened. <laughs> it, it's happened. Somebody gave it to him. Right. Some guy with a beard. Right. And as long as that's <laughs> happening to where, you know, I have some, some say about it at this point, because, you know, my, my kids don't have a car. They can't go trolling the streets and they can't mm-hmm. go, you know, hanging out with their buddies and getting drunk until they, you know, buy their car. So I do have some. But should they be able to? <laughs> well, you know, unfortunately, the laws don't allow for that. I think mm-hmm. that if my if I felt that my 11 year old could safely because I have a I have a duty to protect my child. Mm-hmm. So if my child were going to run out in front of a car, I would initiate violence against him and I would snatch his ass up and even break his arm if I had to to pull him <laughs> out from in front of that car. Now, have I initiated violence against my son? Absolutely, I have. But at the same time, he could seek restitution from me if he so chose. I don't think he would because I just saved his life. But he could certainly right. do that. Now, that restitution is on me anyway because I've got to pay to fix his harm. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Hey, Dan Smots here. I'm taking a second to interrupt myself talking to talk about myself because, you know, I don't get paid a penny for the hours and hours that I put into creating this show for you guys in your greedy little ears. And I've got a family to feed. To make that happen, I run my own media business called Goulash Media. If you have a need in anything from video production to graphic design to audio production and beyond, you can get it all for a painfully fair price at Goulash Media. In video, I do weddings, music videos, commercials, pageants, plays, etc., etc., etc. For design, I do photo editing editing, album art, logos, branding, business cards, merchandise, you name it. For audio, I do engineering, production, editing, jingles, and, well, podcasts. So if you've got a media need of any kind, or if you'd just like to give a little something back and help keep my children fed, check out all the endless options at my website, goulashmedia.net. That's goulash, G-O-U-L-A-S-H, media.net, where we cater to the little guy with the big vision. (sighs) Okay. Oh man, I, I could keep digging deep into hypotheticals for hours. And I love ma- hypotheticals. And yeah. see, that's the thing is, you know, these hypotheticals. <laughs> Most people hate them. <laughs> well, nobody asks these questions of the government. You know, nobody mm-hmm. says, "Well, why doesn't the government do this better? How could the government do that, do that better?" What they, what, but when it comes to an anarchist solution, everybody always asks those kind of questions. What about the roads? What about this? Mm-hmm. I can't say that there's that I have every answer to what would go on in an anarchist society. I don't. Let's try but it, though. <laughs> I, well, I mean, absolutely. I've put enough thought into this that I have some answers to some of these questions. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I'm one person out of billions of people on this planet. Billions of people have better ideas than I do and can implement these things in a free market society. Some of them work, some of them won't. But I guarantee you, most of those ideas will be far superior than what I've laid out laid here. Absolutely. <clears throat> so let's... Um... Let's go off of hypotheticals and talk about like current real world, you know, what is happening now solutions to, you know, uh, I, I'm guessing that people that are interested in this were, they probably signed out a long time ago, but uh, <laughs> for anybody that's stuck around, like, what are your thoughts on where we are and what we should be doing to move in that direction? Well, I mean, you know, secession is a big thing. You know, I mean, the Declaration of Independence gives us the right if, if our government no longer is doing what we want it to do, then we have the right to alter abolish it, period, end of story. And I think that seceding in states is the first step, and then seceding in communities is the next step, and then seceding individually is the next step. You know, we are all sovereign, every single one of us. And I don't mean a sovereign country, a sovereign state. I mean sovereign individuals. The smallest, the, the largest minority, I'm sorry, 
let me rephrase this, the smallest minority is the individual, period. And if you're not protecting the individual rights, then you're not protecting any rights. So I'm going to throw you some topics that I have down here, and you tell me what we should do about these individual things to bring us to a more uh, anarcho-capitalist, more free market, more anarchy society, uh, where you are right now, personally. Um, the police, what do we do? Well, and again, that would go back to insurance companies. I mean, insurance companies would have a a desire to protect our property and our and, and our and, and our, our persons because that would have insurance to pay that company to do so. But even taking aside insurance companies, I desire security, so I would pay for security if somebody else wasn't going to provide it for me. I don't want somebody robbing my home. I don't want somebody, you know, destroying my property. I don't want somebody stealing my property. So I'm going to pay for security services. I'm paying for it now. I would pay for it then. It's just right. right now it's being stolen from me. And so much of that money is being wasted on bureaucrats and pissed away and stolen and lost. I would have so much more of that money to spend on those kind of services in an anarchist society. Schools. Get your kids out of government <laughs> indoctrination centers. Damn it, that is the number one step to liberty right there. Get your kids out of government indoctrination centers. If you're sending your kid to school eight hours a fucking day, um, some preacher, I uh, can't remember his name, he said, you send your kids to the Romans eight hours a day, and then you're surprised when they come home Romans. Because right. you're sending them to government schools every day. You wonder why they come home saying the Pledge of Allegiance and saying cops are good and saying government is awesome and blah, rah, rah, rah. Yeah, USA. Bullshit. <laughs> get your kids out of government indoctrination centers. That's the number one step to liberty. And once we have a whole generation of kids who are primarily homeschooled, then you, 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 have, you have dissolved that illusion of the most dangerous superstition. That's why my kids have never stepped one foot in government indoctrination centers, and they never will. Uh, Mark Clare actually, or one of the, the guys, asked me if my kids asked to go to government right. indoctrination centers, what would they say? What would I say? And I said, Simply, I would sit them down and I would have a conversation with them and I would say, F you in the neck. I am not <laughs> sending my kids to a government indoctrination center. When they are living on their own, if they want to do that, they want to drive themselves to a fucking government school, fine, but I'm not doing it. Sure. Two follow-up questions to that. Um, I've said multiple times, do you find the Pledge of Allegiance to be a creepy thing? What, what's your take on the, the whole, you have to say this, you have to know this, this is part of our education? It's religion. Pure and simple. It is an absolutely, you have the religious iconography with the flag. You've got the religious mantra, the religious saying, you know, instead of, you know, uh, being on your knees or whatever, you're holding your hand to your heart, or as the Bellamy salute was, you do the Hitler salute. That's how it started. I mean, right. look, it started off as a social, from a socialist progressive who was trying to sell flags. That's who started the Pledge of Allegiance, a socialist progressive. Is that the kind of message we want to be giving to our kids, that the state is supreme? Bullshit. That we pledge allegiance to mm -hmm. this state, to this piece of cloth? To anything, Look, let alone the, the freaking government. Right. <laughs> I don't pledge allegiance to anything or anybody except for mm -hmm. myself and my wife. I mean, I did pledge allegiance to her by you know, saying my vows. Um, and you and know, by she, signing the government document. You know, and that's another thing is that if, if, if government ever got out of marriage in New Hampshire, I would divorce my wife immediately. And I've already told her this, I would divorce her immediately and I would have a non-government, uh, government marriage with her. Cause I don't want the yeah. government involved in my relationship. I don't want the government involved. In, I mean, let's think about this. When you go take a piss, you go take a piss, look on the toilet. It says three liters per flush because the gut or 3.8 liters per flush because the government mandates it. The government <laughs> is even responsible for every time you take a piss. 
This is ridiculous, people. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, my my second follow up question to your schooling one, what your schooling answer was, uh, um, what do you do with your kids? Are you guys strict homeschoolers, or do you have them in like some sort of private school or anything? We are strict homeschoolers. We um, we do unschooling, which is a very radical form of of homeschooling. Basically, our children dictate what and when they want to learn, which means that my kids mostly learn from video games and YouTube. Um, and then when they have questions, they come ask us and we go through the rabbit hole of, you know, of learning these things. Um, it is, you know, it is the most effective way. I mean, my, my, my oldest son taught himself how to learn at four and a half, five years old because he wanted to learn what his video games said. Pure and simple. He wanted to learn what he was supposed to do in Minecraft. I wasn't going to tell him. So he learned how to read. He taught himself how to read from video games because he wanted to play them. Sure. Children are supposed to be children. We are putting our children under such a burden, under such a strain, under such stress that they are shooting people up in their schools. They are on so many goddamn drugs because we are putting them through this roller coaster. Kids are supposed to just have fucking fun. <laughs> and they will learn things along the way. I mean, you eat dirt once, you learn, hey, that's not a good fucking idea. I'm not going to eat dirt again. I mean, you learn as you go through life. I'm not in school right now. I learn something new every single day of my life. And my kids are the same way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, the next three questions that I had, you already raised in the last answer. So uh, they are guns, drugs, and YouTube. YouTube being <laughs> the, the whole censorship right now. We'll start with that. Uh, do you think YouTube has the right to censor people? Of course I do. I think it's disgusting. I think that mm-hmm. they will eventually see their numbers dwindle away to, to nearly nothing because of it. But of course they've got the right. They pay for the servers. They pay for the bandwidth. They pay for the, you know, they pay content producers, whatever. It's, it's, their, it's their platform. But I think they're foolish for doing so. Um, you, you already see things coming up. You've got Vimeo. You've got DTube on Steam. You've got all of these different areas popping up to replace uh, YouTube and eventually one of them got will bit get shoot. If you guys want to look at my replacement currently where I'm moving all my videos to, it's bitshoot.com. Yep. yep. And that's exactly go. right. And <laughs> one of these will catch on and it will be the next YouTube and they will, you know, not be censoring people because they see the value in that to their, uh, to their cons- consumer base. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I've said it many times um, in the forum when people have brought up the YouTube thing, I'm like, they're definitely censoring my stuff. They've blocked some sure. of my stuff. Um, they have, you know, demonetized almost every video that I've posted. Uh, but I've also said, I think that they have the right to do so. I mean, it, nobody disagrees with the fact that does does Google, Gmail, YouTube, all of that, do they have the right to, you know, take their services away? Do they have the right to shut down their company tomorrow? Yes, they do. So they obviously have the right to run it how they want. So Well, and it's no different than if I had a storefront and I didn't want some guy walking in with his dick hanging out in my store, I would kick him out of my store. <laughs> it's no different. Am I censoring his ability to walk around with his dick hanging out? Of course I am. But I've got a good reason for doing so. Come on. That's sexist, man. That's sexist. <laughs> well, I, mean, you know, I didn't want tits hanging out. Whatever the case may be, you know? <laughs> Uh, I was going to ask you at the be- the beginning of the episode, but I-, I think we're pretty well past that by now. I was going to ask you uh, if you could record this episode without cursing at all, <laughs> because <laughs> you know, I fun. edit, I-, I do edit to uh, make it 
you know, something that people can listen to around their kids. You're, you're giving me a hell of a job, but it's fine. Oh, I love it. I want it to be sorry. more real. <laughs> so, so, you know, I do a, a clean podcast, Resist the Empire, a libertarian view of the Star Wars universe. And I do that one clean. And let me tell you, it is the hardest, hardest sure. thing that I do every week. It is so difficult because I get on these rants and it's like, you know, that's just me. And when I first started the Lava Flow, I thought, you know, I'm going to try to do it clean. And I thought, There's no way because it's no. number one, it's not real. It's not who I am. And, um, and, and number two, it just wouldn't make it so much more difficult. And right. I'm not going to put myself in that. So I'm sorry I'm putting you through it. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I, I allow people to say whatever they want. I just okay. do very minor edits. I still let it be very obvious what the person was saying because I think it's important to know what word they used. But um, yeah, well, it's, you, it's all good. Do you release a non-edited version too? I... Uh, this might be the first one, but <laughs> I was going to say, cause I know a lot of podcasts like, um, uh, this American life, for example, they mm-hmm. release two copies. Uh, so if they've got one that has cuss words, they release the sure. one with cuss words and they release a bleak version as well for those who want to listen with their families. So. Sure. So my other two questions, uh, for currently, like what is the procedure to take? What is the best thing that people can do <clears throat> in non utopia, non hypothetical side, uh, as far as guns and drugs? So, you know, many states are already working on marijuana, but I think that that is woefully inadequate and uh, wholly inadequate. And mm-hmm. um, it's basically a slap in the face to, to, the, whole, to the whole idea of, of stopping the drug war. Um, marijuana is probably the most used drug. So I'm glad that, you know, that there are people who, who smoke marijuana who are no longer being abused and accosted and kidnapped and even mm-hmm. killed for smoking a joint. But it's got to be just a first step. You know, we've mm-hmm. got to see things like like um, that's happening in. Um, oh my God, I, my mind just went blank of, of the country. <clears throat> we've got a couple of countries now that have completely opened up uh, drug use in their country and made it not illegal. Um, the worst that can happen to you is that you uh, go through some sort of a a, a drug rehab program right. if you're you know if you're busted you know high and, and doing. Is that something. Sweden? Uh, no, it's not Sweden. Uh, <laughs> Gosh, oh, never mind. <laughs> oh, Portugal. Uh, Port- Portugal is okay. one of them, um, and they've completely de- uh, they've completely legitimized or, or legalized all of their drugs, or delegalized. De- so they're they're no mm-hmm. longer illegal, but they're not really legal either. So mm-hmm. they do have some recourse, and I think that that's where we need to go because as long as you are doing something that is not harming another human being, I don't care what it is. I don't care if you off in your closet with a noose around your neck, like what's his name? They, they killed himself doing it. Robin they're not Williams? hurting anybody. No, well, oh yeah, well, <laughs> but uh, no, the the uh, the karate guy back in the um, grasshopper, I, you know. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so as long as you're not doing anything to harm anybody else, nobody has any right to say that what you're doing is is is, is a bad thing or should be illegal. You know, I could shoot up all day, every day. And as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, what's the difference? And mm-hmm. I'm also against drunk driving, for, uh, drunk driving laws for the same reason. Sure. That I think at that point, until you have actually harmed somebody or harmed their property, there's no victim, no victim, mm-hmm. no crime. Preach. Uh, so would you uh, apply that again to your children? Would you say, yeah, smoke meth until you get to a point where you're addicted to it and are going to harm yourself? Well, so as long as my kids are buying it on their own and I'm not having to deal with the repercussions of it, I mean, who am I to say otherwise? Um, Those lemonade stands, they've got to really want it to get to that point. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I I guess meth is cheap. I've never bought meth, so I have no clue. (laughs) I I have no idea. (laughs) No clue whatsoever. But, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, honestly, the best that I can do is present a – 
something that my kids would want to emulate. You know, I present, you know, to them, this is the way, the best way to live your life so that you have a, a long, healthy, productive life. And if they choose to do things that harm their, themselves, um, as long as I have, as long as I'm responsible for the medical bills as a result of it or, or whatever the case may be, then I do have some say so in that. But mm-hmm. as soon as I don't, then it's, it's not my issue anymore at that point. Sure. So what do you say about uh, parents that don't care? Parents that are on meth on their own and they don't pay attention to their kids or what I, they're doing? I think that in, in, in a free market society, there would be courts that would invalidate their parental rights and that I think that people would be able to go in and rescue those children because at that point, those children are being harmed. They're being abused, whether it's physically, whether it's, you know, they're not being fed properly, whatever the case may be. I think that those children are being abused. And I think that as human beings and as, you know, private court systems or private police or, or even just individual citizens, you have a, not only a right, but a duty mm-hmm. to, to, to do something about that. Um, and I, I don't mean duty as in it's your responsibility and you have to do something. But I think that if you're watching something like, like that happen and you're not doing something, you're kind of a shitty human being. You know? Sure. But how does that work? I mean, we know they are. <laughs> I said that in the question. Uh, well, and, and, yeah. And the, and the problem now is that government basically protects that. I mean, you know, government, government wants to keep children with families as much as humanly possible. Right. Even families that are, are horribly dysfunctional and actually. My wife and I help at a, a foster uh, a foster camp, a camp for abused and neglected foster kids. I know that. And we, we've gone through the foster course and all that. We, we know for a fact that, uh, you know, these parents are awful and we know for a yep. fact that, you know, they shouldn't have their kids. We, we actually started doing the actual foster care course, like trying to adopt one of the kids that we met there because we knew that there was not a good future for him and we loved him and thought he was an awesome individual. Um, so, you know, what happens to those children, though, in, in an anarchist society uh, if they're taken away from their parents? Yeah, and again, I don't have all the answers. Um, there, sure. you know, and that's the thing is that this would be anarchy would be trial and error, just like our government is. Let's be honest. Um, but you know, I think that there would be people like you who actually give a shit, and they would sure. actually do something. They would actively do something to make this happen. You know, right now you would have no, you know, legal. You know, you would have no recourse to do anything other than offer some advice. Mm-hmm. In an anarchist society, it may be possible that you have the legal backing to actually remove that child from an abusive system, from an abusive institution. I, I honestly don't know the answer to that because that's one that really speaks to me as well because, you know, I've, I've seen abused children and, you know, there's nothing in the world that means more to me than my children. If I saw my children being harmed, I would do whatever it took to stop that. So I, I feel your pain and I, you know, I have nothing but to love and respect for what you do for those kids. Sure. And I, I honestly just, don't have all the answers. No, totally. I mean, huge topic, and I don't expect you to have all the answers, and being willing to say that is awesome. Uh, the other one in that, <laughs> like 15 minutes ago when we were having the initial discussion, uh, was guns. Uh, realistically now, like, what do you think is the right course of action for guns? With all the school shootings, with all the nonsense that's going on, like, what's your initial course of action? My initial course of action is immediately get rid of gun-free zones. And I'm talking government institutions. Now, and we're talking about in, in our current society. <clears throat> the, 
you notice that the Aurora, Colorado shooter, for example, passed two theaters before he stopped at the theater that he stopped at to start shooting people up because those two theaters didn't have anti-gun policies. He knew that he was going to a theater that would allow him unfettered access with his weapons without any recourse from anybody on site. Mm-hmm. That tell and, and look at school. Why are we having these situations at schools over and over and over again? Because people know that they can go in there with a gun and expect no resistance whatsoever. Immediately, mm-hmm. I would get rid of gun-free zones. That's number one. Number two, I would never mandate that the teacher be armed. I think that is ridiculous. You know, I just saw an article when I was flipping through Facebook earlier today of some school teacher who shot herself in the fucking leg at school because she went to the bathroom with her gun on her and she fucking shot herself. Some people just don't need a fucking gun. I mean, that's just, it's that simple. Some people are too stupid or, or, or too crazy or whatever the case may be. I'm not going to mandate that anybody carry a weapon, but I would absolutely allow teachers who feel comfortable doing that I would absolutely allow teachers to carry weapons. I mean, look at Israel. You haven't had a school student in Israel in decades because they walk around, their teachers walk around on to help some of their students walk around on. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I would absolutely allow that to happen. But number would one you take it to that extreme of the kids having guns too? I think that if, if, if they bought the gun themselves and they, they you know, have the wherewithal to use so and they're comfortable doing so, how do you Absolutely. determine if they have the wherewithal to do so? They determine it themselves. And if they are, are any sort of a threat, then they're banned from the school. They're banished from the school. If they present any sort of issue that they, they look like they have no competence of their weapon or, you know, they whatever the case may be, then either you ban them or you ban their weapon on a case-by-case basis. But I, think well, that this, I was bullied a lot in high school. So, uh, I mean, what is the point where you determine that they don't have the wherewithal to use a gun because – does that mean me personally being shot by a bully <laughs> or does that mean uh, that they have to take a course or something? Um, I certainly think that it means being able to protect yourself from bullies. I mean, I have, uh, you, you, I don't know if you listened to Lions of Liberty episode uh, today that came out or not, but I, I actually, I actually used my weapon to, to protect the life of myself and uh, a girl that I was engaged to at the time. Sure. Um, and, and I don't think that, you know, I was probably 24 at the time. What's the difference between me and a 14 year old? Other than other than age, I mean, mm-hmm. should a fourteen-year-old not have the same right to be able to defend their life and property as anybody else? Absolutely, right. they should. But did you have to go to go through a course that said that you're fit to do that? Well, I did have my concealed carry permit at the time, so to have that permit, I did have to go through a state-mandated course, again, a government course. But I don't feel that that's absolutely necessary. No, I think that you know, if a <clears throat> let's say that a private school wanted to allow their students to have guns on on campus, then I'm sure that that school would mandate some sort of, whether it be sure. training or competency test or something like that. Um, and, and I think that, you know, it may get to the point where if you go to Walmart, Walmart may not let you on their property unless you can prove that you've had some sort of some sort of competency test. I mean, right. you know, look, 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 we have appliances every day. I and mean, I've got several right here that have EL ratings on them or whatever the case might be. What is it? The electric? Anyway, that, that rating for, for mm-hmm. electric devices. Well, I mean, who's to say that I can't have an ID that has my ratings on it? Hey, I'm rated with a, fucking, you know, AK-47 or I'm rated with a, you know, a fucking 10 megaton nuke or whatever the case may be. I'm mm-hmm. rated for these weapons and then Walmart's going to let me in with them because I'm rated and certified by a private body that says that, hey, this guy knows what he's doing. Sure. That's and you point. could also, you could also have that at schools as well. Nice. <clears throat> okay. Uh, well, you brought up the Aurora shooting. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get into too 
too too sidetracked, but what is your take on like conspiracy theorists, conspiracies, and all that stuff? I know that you have certain opinions on certain ones where you get very angry about, but j- just them in general, like nine eleven, all that stuff. Do you believe that so, our our government is capable of you know ter- carrying out these acts? Our government cannot even distribute mail at a profit. Do you really think that they can pull off 9-11? I mean, come sure. on. They are they are the most incompetent organization that has ever existed in the fucking world as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Lysander Spooner, a single man, put together a company in the 1800s to compete with American Mail Service and was smoking their ass at half the cost and even a quarter of the cost and a tenth of the cost, was smoking their ass to the point where the American Postal Service had to drop their rates to nothing, and he was still smoking their ass. And then they finally had to outlaw additional uh, first-class postage. I mean, that's how incompetent our government is. And yet we think that they can pull off these huge, elaborate conspiracy theories. I don't buy it. But (laughs) even if they do, let's just say that they do. And I do believe in some conspiracies. I fully believe that TWA Flight 800 was shot out of the sky by a Navy missile. I will believe that to my dying day. Um, And and, um, so I do believe in some conspiracies. But I think that... You know, when you have those conversations with the muggles, the average human being out there, that immediately turns them off. And that's why I kind of skew those conversations because it's not productive. It doesn't help the situations. I absolutely believe in some of these conspiracies. I I absolutely believe that we don't know everything about 9-11 and we never will. I don't believe our government is involved by any stretch of imagination, but I know that I believe that our government knows more about what happened than we do, clearly. But things like Waco. That type of thing. Do you think that that is a conspiracy or do you think that was a conspiracy? It was why it was wide open in your face. The government sent fucking tanks in and fucking <laughs> murdered dozens of people. There's no conspiracy there. It was on the TV. We all saw it you know, all the time. I mean, you know, it's things like, I mean, they were so incompetent that they couldn't cover that shit up. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you've seen the, the, the documentaries about Waco, uh, Revelation sure. and, uh, and oh, mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of them. I mean, uh, Rules of Engagement. Yeah, Rules of Engagement. Oh, my God, what an incredible document. One of the best documentaries <laughs> I've ever seen. I mean, it, it is clear that the government was so incompetent in that situation. Now, am I saying that they went in and they killed those people on purpose? I don't know that. I, I, I can't say that I know the mentality of the people that were driving those tanks. I mean, looking at the configuration of those tanks, they were clearly there to spray CS gas in there. Now, clearly, some of the bodies that were killed were killed with gunfire. And I think that some of those people are trying to escape and they were shot by government agents. I, I absolutely believe that. But again, if we lead off with, oh my God, the, the government wanted to kill these people and this and that, that shuts the conversation down sure. for 90% of for, for 90% of muggles. They just don't care at that point. But Absolutely. if you start the conversation off with, look at this atrocity, mm-hmm. Ruby Ridge, Waco, look at these things that the How government- about USS Liberty? You know about that? USS Liberty. Was that the- um, the, the the ship that uh, LBJ uh, he was in office and they they were this is totally off script so <laughs> uh, I, I might be totally off base but I've done an episode on it basically they you know said that they were they were being bombed by these foreign entities and LBJ when we scrambled fighters to go out and rescue this one fighter ship. Um, they, he called them back. He called, he said, don't, don't, we need that ship to the bottom or whatever. That's, that might be an Alex Jones quote. So I'm not, not speaking <laughs> perfectly, <laughs> but anyway, the, the basic idea was there was a, a, a ship that was, that had, was almost entirely unarmed that was being bombed by, uh, 
planes that were are speculated as being sent out by us to involve us in another war. So there are clearly <clears throat> examples of U.S. shenanigans in starting wars. I mean, I fully believe that FDR, or at least many people high up in its administration, knew that Pearl Harbor was going to happen. There's tons of evidence that points to that. And I believe that they allowed it to happen because they wanted a full-scale war because, let's be honest, war is profitable for a lot of people. Now, for the average person like you and me, war sucks. It's not profitable. It kills us left and right. right. But for you know, the, the, the money makers, war is profitable. Mm -hmm. So I fully believe that the government has been involved in many situations that they have either allowed or even pushed for wars to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so, but again, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist because I mean, most of these things are fact now. We know this. We have evidence of these things. These aren't conspiracies anymore because they're facts. But, but, but they're, why are they facts? Just because the documents have been like released? I mean, what does it take to... Uh, for you to think that, you know, 9-11 or the Oklahoma City bombing was actually uh, conspired because, I mean, does it take the bad guys coming out with their hands up and saying, hey, we did it, no. if you think that they're corrupt? So, look, another reason I have so many issues with conspiracy theories is that we have so many things. We have so much evidence of so much bullshit every single day that the government's doing from cops killing people. I mean, I saw a video today of, a, of, of an attorney walking through a to a uh, metal detector at, at a courthouse and six thug officers jumping his ass because he mouthed off to one of them. They beat the shit out of him and fractured his shoulder. I mean, these are the kind of things that we see on a daily basis. We know they're happening. We see them happening, but people are so wrapped up in these conspiracy theories. Fuck the conspiracy theories. Let's focus on the things that are happening every day that we see in front of us, that we know are happening, sure. that we have evidence of. That's what we focus on. And then once all that shit's cleared up, then let's talk about these possibilities, these conspiracies that may or may not be out there. But until we fix the problems that are happening to us on a daily basis, mm -hmm. those conspiracies are, conspiracies are a new point. Okay. Now, they're fun to talk about, though. I'm, I'm certainly not one to say they're not fun to talk about, because sure. they are. I mean, I've had many conversations about TWA 800, and that's an old school – I mean, that goes back to you know when I was young. I mean, right. that's an old school conspiracy. Matter of fact, I did my senior English thesis um, in, in, when I was a senior in high school, advanced English, on the JFK assassination. Mm -hmm. And I was fully convinced that it, it, when I did my thesis, that I, that I figured out who killed JFK. <laughs> so, I mean, I am an old school conspiracy theorist, but I've learned in my – wisdom, my age, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I'm old now mm -hmm. that it really shuts down that conversation. So, sure. Yeah. We can get into that more later. Um, before we do may, I mean, I want to do bonus content with you. Maybe we'll talk more about conspiracies, but I definitely want to talk about, uh, what somebody brought up. David White brought up in, uh, the lines of Liberty, um, group. And he also talked about, he, he's a supporter of lines of Liberty, a supporter of, uh, my show too. Uh, he brought up rogue one, Sorry, guys. We're going to talk about it again. Uh, we've got a hardcore uh, Star Wars guy here, possibly even more hardcore than me, even though he doesn't have any tattoos of Star Wars. But before we get to that, <laughs> uh, Roger, are you optimistic of the future or do you see uh, do you see any turn in events that could lead to the hypotheticals that we've, we've been talking about? When you talk hypotheticals, you mean hypotheticals of moving to anarchism? 
Right. Yeah. Like hypotheticals yeah, I, moving I, I, to the utopia that we've been discussing. Yeah, I, I do. You know, there's, you know, um, Catalonia, for example, with their whole referendum. And, you know, we saw on a full display what violent, aggressive government can do. And, as, and those things happen all the time. And as we see more and more of that, people will start waking up. You know, every time a government sends jackbooted thugs on camera to disenfranchise people, to stop them from voting or to just beat the shit out of them for no reason, more and more people say, why the fuck do we need government? So as long as they keep that up, you know, we've got uh, secession movements everywhere from California to Texas to New Hampshire these days. And eventually one of those is going to catch fire and it's going to happen. And again, I talked about, you know, once the states secede, then the counties and the towns and then the individual. Um, so, yes, I fully believe, you know, the mantra of the Free State Project is liberty in our lifetimes, not in my kids' lifetimes, in my lifetime. And that's what I'm working for is liberty in my lifetime. So is the solution in voting or is it in activism? <laughs> voting does nothing but legitimize the system. You are, you are basically feeding the dragon. You are asking for permission to have freedom. Who is going to give you permission to have freedom? No government is going to give you permission to stop paying taxes or to protect your life wherever you go or whatever the case may be. Nobody's going to give you that permission. You've got to take that permission. You've got to ignore the beast, ignore the dragon, stop feeding it, and move on with your life. You know, that's one of the reasons I'm here in New Hampshire is because I have so much less government encroachment in my life. Now, there's, look, New Hampshire's not perfect by any means, no, no question. But it's the most free country in the United States, according to the Freedom in the 50 States, and by a long shot. And that's freedominthe50states.com, I think is the website. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's why I'm here is because I have more freedom. I've already moved to more freedom. And I'll keep moving until I get to that immediate, you know, that perpetual full freedom. Um, I'll do whatever it takes because I believe that liberty in my lifetime is a goal worth achieving, especially for my children. You know, I want my children, my children's generation to be the first generation that has true freedom in the entire world because we've never had it. And I'm hoping that my children will be that first generation. Absolutely. That's why I fight the good fight. Love it. Um, and honestly, I feel like most people don't even realize what the definition of liberty is. We just think it's, you know, American society you know we're the freest country and everything uh, we have the statue of liberty but uh... <laughs> <laughs> well and that was me for a long time we talked about that earlier when i was growing up in a conservative household i thought that i was fighting for liberty you know but i was fighting for my liberty not for you know the liberty of other people to do. you know i thought that drug dealers were bad i thought that mm-hmm. gay marriage was wrong i thought that you know border jumpers were criminals and that, that they should go to jail you know these are people who want to freely move they're not hurting anybody Mm-hmm. You know, but I thought that they were, I didn't know what fucking freedom was. And that's sadly what most Americans, most Americans idea of freedom is freedom for them and not for, you know, freedom for me, but not for you. That, you know, <laughs> freedom is, freedom is an individual thing. Either you've got it and you've got it and everybody else has it or nobody has it. If, if not, if, if everybody in your community doesn't have freedom, then you don't have freedom either. Absolutely. Well, Roger, give us a, a final closing and then we'll do some plugs after. Um, you know, Dan, thanks so much for having me on the show. You know, again, I, I have got to get your show in my feed because like I said, if Mark Clear, if Mark Clear says it's a good show, I've got to check it out. And I've really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Uh, well, quickly before we wrap, tell us about Porkfest. Porkfest is anarchist heaven in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. And it's, you know, I mean, there's not just anarchists. It'll probably be a little bit majority anarchists, but there's a lot of anarchists there too. A lot of, it's all libertarian. It's the biggest libertarian event in the country. And you don't want to miss it. I mean, my wife and I are co-producing this year for the first time. 
and we are putting on a hell of a show. We're bringing Backwards, uh, which is Eric July's band. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to do a, a hardcore show on a, a concert on Saturday night. We've nice. got Eric July going to be speaking. We've got uh, um, Ben Swan going to be speaking. We've got so many amazing speakers that we haven't announced yet that I really don't want to talk about yet because we haven't <laughs> announced them, but I might get in trouble. Don't want to get in trouble. Sure. But I mean, it is literally a, an anarchist paradise or libertarian paradise uh, for a week from Tuesday through Sunday, June 19th through the 24th in one of the most beautiful places in the world in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. I mean, literally everywhere you look in this campground, you're just surrounded by these gorgeous mountains. Um, you've got speakers, you've got events, you've got adult day camp, you've got stuff for the kids. I mean, they have a whole porcupine. They call it porcupines because we call ourselves porcupines. Mm-hmm. Um, the porcupines program is for the kids. You know, my kids told me um, two years ago with the first porky fest, pork fest that we went to that it was the most fun they ever had. It was even better than Disney World. <laughs> I spent seven thousand fucking dollars on Disney World, <laughs> so I wish they had told me that a long time ago. But um, right. you know, they they get this freedom that they don't um, that they normally don't have, you know, because they, they can just run around the whole campground and do whatever they want. I mean, they can run around my yard and my house, but once they go on the government street, then the government's got to say on what they do. Well, they don't have any say at Rogers Campground. So check us out at porkfest.com. Absolutely. Now, uh, give us uh, plugs for everything else you got going on, all of your millions of podcasts and whatever else you want to you want people to check out. Yeah, Pax Libertas Productions is the uh, production company that uh, that I run. Oh, thank you. My wife just brought me some more whiskey. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Oh, um, man, lucky. So, uh, oh, she's the best woman in the world. Holy cow. So um, uh, we've got uh, six podcasts on the Pax Libertas Productions Network. Uh, the Lava Flow, Libertarian, Anarchist, Voluntarist, Agorist, um, podcast is my flagship podcast. Uh, we've got the essential libertarianism that I talked about, anarcho-Christian, which is a uh, the, an evaluation of the Christian and the state, um, basically anarchy and Christianity. And we've got one free family, which we talked about peaceful parenting and radical unschooling. Uh, a couple that I know here do this podcast for me, and they are amazing, amazing parents. Um, I, I try to emulate what they do on a daily basis. That's onefreefamily.com. Uh, and cat barbershop, which is a couple of awesome dudes, hilarious dudes down in Alabama that I know uh, that do that one. He's actually an anarchist in uh, an cat barber. He actually cuts hair for a living on the side. Nice. Um, so yeah, those are the podcasts that we do. Check it out at paxlibertas.com. Awesome. Well, Roger, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll do uh, two bonus episodes because I definitely wanted to bring up your pastoral ship and your, uh, your story behind that. So maybe we'll do two. And if you guys want to get those episodes, you'll have to go to tsidpod.com forward slash support and sign up for the Downers Club. But before we get to that, Roger, thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy and a pleasure. And I would love to have you on again. Cheers. I appreciate it. Well, what'd you think? If these are foreign and new ideas for you, then I'm glad you had an open mind and stuck around to the end. Either that, or you just skipped ahead to the end to find out if you won The Last Jedi drawing, and if that's you and you're the winner, then I hope you feel a tremendous amount of guilt every time you watch this movie. I hope that it eats away at your dark and greedy soul and you're unable to live with yourself. I hope that your children grow up to be Star Wars-hating commie terrorists. But otherwise, a big thank you to all who signed up and keep helping spread the word of the show. Uh, If you didn't know about the contest... Fear not, as I plan to do more of these giveaways in the future, the best way to stay up to date is by joining the System is Down forum on Facebook, 
That's where we have all these open, uncomfortable, and fun conversations. Roger Paxton is also a member of the forum, so if you want to ask him questions about his crazy anarchy ideas, you can do so by going to tsidpod.com forward slash forum and joining that for absolutely free. Another great way to not only stay up to date, but also support the show, keep the fun flowing, get you get multiple bonus episodes of the show every single week by going to the Downers Club at tsidpod.com forward slash support. As mentioned in the episode, Roger and I will be releasing two bonus episode conversations. One of them is on his transition from Christian pastor to hardcore atheist. And another one, we debated the value of Star Wars Rogue One. So uh, some fun conversations that you'll be getting this week if you are a member of the Downers Club. So again, for all the info on how you can be a good person, just go to tsidpod.com forward slash support and join the Downers Club. And all the links to all this stuff is uh, in the show description, so check that out. Um, But you see what I did there? I... uh, Snuck in my plugs just when you thought I was about to announce the winner that you've been waiting for. Because I know that once I tell you who won, you're going to bail, right? If it wasn't you, you're going to turn this off immediately. I know you. You're going to. So now for the moment you've all been waiting for, the winner of Star Wars The Last Jedi on DVD is... Probably someone who left us a happy review on iTunes and subscribed to the show so they don't miss a single episode and help boost our numbers, which is something very much appreciated that you can do as well. But more importantly, drum roll please, the winner of The System is Down, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, DVD, Giveaway, who undoubtedly follows, likes, and shares the show on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and everywhere else in social media networks, and also tells people about the show and helps spread the value of uncomfortable discourse, and will not only tune into the show next Monday, but will tell more people about it and improve their quality of life by uncalculatable amounts, is William Wells. William Congratulations, and thank you so much for helping build the show. I hope you enjoy this little token of my gratitude that will be headed your way very, very soon. And to the rest of you, please take a note from William's book and go out and tell someone new about the show this week. Help us keep this going and growing and be as cool as Mary Rome, who just joined the Downers Club this week by going to tsidpod.com forward slash support. Shout out, Mary. Thank you so much for your support. And... To all of you beautiful, wonderful weirdos, if you'll have me, I'll be right back here in your ears first thing next Monday with some more uncomfortable conversations. Until then, question everything and stay uncomfortable. Thanks. This has been a Goulash Media production. Goulashmedia.net. This concludes our broadcast day. Click.